What is up, y'all? Manny Carrera, your real estate resource, and this is episode number 43 of Whiskey Wednesday podcast sessions, where we sit with entrepreneurs, influencers, movers, and shakers over a glass of whiskey. Today, I'm sitting with Chef Rulis. Welcome, Chef. Well, thank Cheers. you. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you for being on. I know it was a little last minute. We really wanted to get the podcast rolling again, so appreciate you stopping by. Excellent. I know you, Excellent. Yeah. I know you had a busy day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today we're going to be drinking a really good whiskey, one of my favorites, Glen Morangi. This is a 10-year whiskey uh, from Scottish. It's a Scottish whiskey, mm -hmm. okay? Um, are you a whiskey drinker yourself? I do. I like, um, I like whiskey. I like bourbon. Nice. What are, what are some of your favorites? Um, on the whiskey side, I like uh, Macallan. I love Macallan. Macallan is delicious. Yeah. Um, I drink a lot of Bullet. Bullet? Yeah. Bullets? Yeah. Bullet, Bullets uh, good too. The, the, the rye. Yeah, um, the rye. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've had that on the on the show. Yeah. We've drinking 43 different whiskeys <laughs> so far. <laughs> <laughs> it got in tipsy 43 different times nice. too. So nice. That's cool. But yeah. yeah, so really excited to have you on. Um, this is actually our first episode of the whole year. And what a year it's well, been, what a right? Year indeed, yeah. Fuck 2020 right now. <laughs> this has been a crazy year. There's just been a lot of changes, a lot of you know, things happening. Um, yeah. We're all waiting for it to, to be over, right? How, how was your, how was your uh, you know, your quarantine? Our, our experience, well, we did not stop working. We um, quickly shifted to takeout and delivery. We've been doing catering for, you know, most of the time that we've been open. So it was an easy transition for us. Um, but definitely, you know, difficult decisions to make, uh, who stayed on the job, you know, who got yeah. furloughed. Um, you know, my staff is amazing and some of them um, went ahead and volunteered. One of them started his own business, which is wonderful. That's good. And um, I think everybody, you know, stayed safe and in the long run uh, are gonna be okay. But it always hurts, you know. My yeah. staff is, is like my family. We are very lucky because a lot of my staff have been with me, you know, six, seven. You know, I have a lady that's been with me 11 years, a guy that's been with me 10 years, uh, a bunch of people that have been with me six, seven years. Yeah. Um, so they're really become part of the family when you run a family-owned business like that. Yeah. So it was a difficult uh, decision to make, but we had to make it. Uh, as entrepreneurs, sometimes you have to make those tough choices. Yeah, yeah, you're in that position. Yeah. You're, you're taking a lot of responsibility right. as a business owner, entrepreneur. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's not always easy. Um, if it was, everybody would do it. Right. Um, but, you know, we made the right decisions, and I think being in business for over 12 years helped us to navigate the, the, you know, the new environment Right. And having the most awesome clientele in the world, too, because they've been very loyal. They were loyal through the whole Go 10 construction project, which yeah. cut off. It lasted. <laughs> they barely opened Executive. It was yeah, the yeah. first thing they shut down over five years ago, and they barely opened it like two weeks ago. So What do you think is going on with the construction? Why does it take so long? I you see know, cities. I lived in a, another city before, you know, and I saw construction happen really fast. But yeah. I think there's just a lot of projects, a lot of growth that's happening all around the city that. Yeah. Well, know, I mean, they, they, they you know, the way these grants work, uh, they have to do the whole project at once. It's a use it or lose it type. Thing. Yeah. Uh, because trust me, I have conversations with, you know, the Department of Transportation and, you know, they were trying to help. They were, tr you know, their their heart was in the right place, but right. you know, it, it just created chaos and basically cut thirty percent of the market off. By, That's insane. You know, because by all that executive all that. was closed, Paisano was closed. You know, you could only yeah. get to the west side. A lot, right, and it's still know. happening right now. I think a lot of restaurants are still, or businesses are still closed because of that mess of construction. That's well, that right and now. and now they're starting on Mesa. So yeah. you know, it's uh, it it. it it hasn't been easy, uh, but because we do have that great, you know, clientele, yeah. um, they they don't mind, you know, going against the traffic and 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 going there to eat, you know, some of their yeah. favorite foods. So um, we really are blessed, uh, but we try really hard to 
keep our customers happy. And I've always told everybody, we're not in the service industry. We're in the hospitality business. And right. It's a different approach yeah, um, to the way that we do things. And it's one of the things that I think has kept us around for so long. So. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, uh, Chef Rulis is the owner of Rulis International Kitchen. Correct. Right. So you were we were talking a little bit before the podcast and and you have a little bit of everything for for everyone and we were kind of talking as far as you know the ethnicity background of el paso and and how el paso's come to be the types of people that are here in the city like this is a perfect city for international food because we have a lot of international residents right oh definitely i mean i think most people when they hear about el paso they think you know what is Mexico. Well, I, th I think they, they, they do put it together with Juarez, yeah. but a lot of people still think that we're this dusty old West Texas mm -hmm. town, you know, where people are still riding around in horses and stuff. And uh, they come here and they realize that we're, you know, a very big metroplex. Yeah. We are, uh, if I understand it correctly, NASA said that we were one of the largest international communities in the world right uh, probably definitely on this side of the world um, you know we're about three million people that live in this community and, yeah and uh, and nowhere else you know along the borders do we have you know cities that are this large you know living together right right it's and it's it's crazy because you could I run every day up rim road so I have mm -hmm. a perfect view of El Paso downtown and Mexico and you right. can't even see unless you know where the border right. is where it you know right. where it meets and yeah. it's just crazy to see how how close we are and how intermingled we are because there's people crossing over every day there's people going right. over there every day oh, yeah. Um, but yeah El Paso is a really cool big city that's evolving tremendously in the real estate right. sector too you just have you just see growth happening everywhere and oh, every yeah. side of the city right now so there's a lot of stuff Amazon uh, right. is now putting their, their <laughs> distribution center right? right so this is these are some big moves for the city and That's it's gonna nice. create even more um, you know uh, of a of a boiling pot type of city where we right. have every type of international ethnicity here. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to see El Paso in the next five, seven, ten years. You oh, know? definitely. I think that uh, El Paso is coming, you know, uh, you know, it's coming into its own. And, you know, we were we were talking earlier and there is a lot of diversity here. We're international more more so than just being the international border between the U.S. and Mexico. Right. We're international because, you know, Native Americans were here you know, for thousands of years before, you know, the Europeans came and then the Spanish came and then the, the uh, you know, the soldiers came with Fort Bliss and that right. brought with them Italians and all uh, Irish, of. you know, and, and all that. And then, uh, you know, after the Civil War, you had the Buffalo Soldiers. And so you had a little bit of Cajun uh, uh, blood, you know, coming into the city. Right. Um, in the 1890s, when the railroads got here, uh, that brought the Chinese. The Chinese yeah. were building the railroads. Uh, it also brought the Middle Eastern uh, people that had moved to Mexico from, you know, places like uh, Lebanon and, uh, um, you know, the Middle East and, and, and Iran, that whole area. Right. You know, merchants for thousands of years, they've been merchants, and they came out here and settled and became merchants and you know we know that they're big into real estate uh, yeah, yeah. and 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 so those uh those families are an important part of our community and they own and, a lot of real estate yeah right? you know and their but their food has been around all this time as well yeah you know uh mediterranean food you know arab food um there there's a tasty kebab you know they're phoenician they're you know they're from iran and, right and so they they have a little bit different taste on there, but we have Turkish food now, um, and and with the maquilas, the Japanese came. You know, if you wonder how, you know, sushi made it to uh, the middle of the desert, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was actually because we are of a desert. The, yeah, it's because of the maquilas. So the maquilas, when they brought the Japanese companies brought their companies over to uh, their factories over to Juarez, 
they brought Japanese management. So all of the management, all of the engineers, they were all Japanese. And so we had an influx of Japanese families that moved into the area. And eventually they brought their their food. sushi. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's how we ended up, you know, uh, with sushi. And then, you know, and, and then someone in Juarez decided to put cream cheese in it and, <laughs> you know, and put toyados in it. Yeah. And, and it and evolved. So it you, evolved, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you used the right word because it did, it did evolve. Some people say, oh, that's sacrilege. How can you do that to sushi? And it's like, I understand it if you're a purist, you know. Right. But I look at it from the point, like, you know, Japanese came over here. Uh, our community is such a embracing community. You know, they totally uh, uh, welcome the, the Japanese and we like their food. You yeah. know, this was and, this and was literally a collaboration definitely. of two traditions. Yeah. yeah. And I think we I think we had we've adopted a lot of different kind of food. Oh, yeah. And we've added that little, you know, that that Latin Mexican twist. Yeah. Well, I call it Chuco Cuisine Chuco. Because, because, you know, we've mentioned all these cultures already. Um, and, and so it's the, it's the evolution of food. So the way that we got Mexican food, and, and I tell everybody it's not Mexican food. It's a misnomer. We should call it mestizo food. Mestizo. Because the way the food came about mm -hmm. was the Spanish and the Native Americans getting together that was the mestizaje of the people and the mestizaje also happened with the food and so like chile colorado which we think oh that's a mexican dish nope that's a native american dish that the spanish added mm. beef to you know and now all of a sudden it's <laughs> we mexican have chile colorado. You know? yeah. but but that's how you know that's that's how things um evolved yeah and and so that and it's same. like the pizza too. I mean, you have you have uh, you were saying one of the oldest wood fire pizzas. Working, yeah, the, the one of the oldest uh, commercial working wood ovens in, in the city. Oh, you got some taste. Oh yeah. Melted into oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's yeah, just seasoning, like seasoning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just like the pizza. You know, it, it came from Italy, right? right. Right. And but they don't eat pizza the way we eat pizza. Right. They eat margarita pizza. And right. if you put anything else on that pizza to them, it's like, what are you doing? This isn't pizza anymore, you know? Right. So it's right. a it's a very traditional thing that evolved into into something else. You know, yeah. meat lovers and, right. and and all this yeah. stuff, you know. I mean I, I have a pizza al pastor. You That's know, at delicious. the restaurant. And I have a Mexican great. pizza where I use I don't even eat meat and that sounds and great. It, it is awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. I do use jackfruit, so if you want, I'll, I'll make you a vegetarian. Awesome. <laughs> so what is what is your, you know, you've been in business for 12 years, right? Uh -huh. um, has it always been international? Has it always been an international thing for 12 mm -hmm. years? Or So what, what do you feel like are some of the, if any, um, maybe obstacles or anything that you had to overcome in the beginning, especially bringing it here to El Paso? Because we're, we're mentioning a whole bunch of different ethnicities and, and traditions right. here in the city when it comes down to food but we were talking about it before this I think it's a lack of awareness because I don't even know you know where I could get some good Dominican food or Peruvian food or right. you know so I think it's a lack of awareness for sure but what were some of the things that you struggled with in the beginning you know adapting to a city that's maybe very set on one type of food well when I did my business plan I first looked at the location and we opened downtown in the Cortez building and I used to work downtown when I was still working in wealth management Okay. because um, I had a previous career uh, in, in, I did three years of real estate and a little bit over nine years of uh, wealth management. Nice. And so I worked, uh, I worked downtown uh, at Wells Fargo for over five years. Really? And so I knew the market. I, I knew the way the the downtown uh, um, the, I knew the way the downtown workers uh, uh, did things. I knew, you know, they go out to lunch and, yeah. you know, what they were looking for and things like that. And so I knew that what I was bringing was something completely different, but I had seen it work 
in Houston. I had seen it work in other cities, uh, but I lived in Houston, so I, I was able to learn a lot from, from living down there. Right. And so when I opened, it was actually pretty easy because I did my homework. And so when you do your homework and, and you're in tune with the market, um, it just, it makes things a whole lot easier. Yeah. So you're giving them what they want. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I knew that what I was offering was something that they would enjoy. Um, and on top of that unique, right? Cause I mean, definitely. I'm pretty sure there was no other international restaurants. Nothing, you know, nothing like what we do. Um, right. I think a few popped up after we, after we did, um, but uh, like of, of the original trendsetters in cuisine, I think, <clears throat> I mean, I, I always give a shout out um, to John Jeske because I think he really took cuisine to another level when he opened uh, he, he's local? G2. Yeah. Oh yeah, G2, G2. Yeah. So, G2. so I remember he, the food. Right, so, so he opened G2 with George uh, Cisneros and then he sold out of that one, but you know, he's, he's got a little empire now with Calvo Joe's and, you know, the, the chicken places and all of that. But with G2, that really, that space was modern. It was hip. Yeah. And the food was, like, updated, you know. Like, it, it had a good menu. It had a little bit of everything. Um, it reminded me of Jackson's old menu, but just, like, more modern, more fresh. Right. A little more hip um, but the ambiance and and the music and and so I think he's the one that really turned you know the the, the culinary scene uh, uh, into something different uh, but and for a while there was a lot of startups that you know opened and, and shut yeah and, you saw and there saw was a lot, lot of stuff go. going on yeah um, and when I came in there was really nothing like my menu and so it was unique and since we've been open we've kept evolving the menu and i don't think you'll find dishes like what i offer on my menu on other menus what um, what are some of your you know faves or what are some of your your clients favorite dishes yeah uh, that you have right now on the menu well the client's favorite is still our chicken calabacitas nice. um, I love cal calabacitas is such a classic. It is. I it could is. even cook that and I, I make a mean calabacitas. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a staple. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, all of us grew up in this area. All of us who grew up in this area know what calabacitas mm -hmm. are. And so it's a dish that's really popular. Um, and, and I think it's, it brings a lot of nostalgia and, 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 it's it's one of those comfort foods from yeah from the takes region. it back to grandma's definitely definitely yeah. and so that's our customers that's what they like the most um, my favorite dish is still the pasta chihuahua um, that's one of the dishes that I cooked with Guy Fieri when he was in town really and, um, and was he me, just in town because you know him or he was no he, show, he or? filmed yeah I was on I was on diners drivers and dives holy uh, shit. Yeah, there were six restaurants in town. I was one of them uh, that he went to. And uh, he was only here for like three days, but he shot six restaurants and, 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 and we all aired uh, between August and September of last year. Really, and is this as recent? Yeah, yeah, it hasn't even been a year. What was his verdict or what did he, Oh, does well, he go in and just teach you some new dishes or he just no, kind of no, judges? No, actually the, the whole process is, is interesting because First, I thought it was a joke because I got a text from an out-of-town number saying, hi, I'm from Triple D. Uh, we'd like to talk to you about featuring you, you know, on the show. And it was Friday night, like maybe 6 o'clock, you know, dinner service is getting started. I look at my phone. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and I just put it away. <laughs> I didn't pay attention at all. What you kind know? of spam is this? That's what I thought. Yeah, I was yeah. like, ah, oh, someone's joking, right? And then, like, a couple of hours later, my friend Justin from Dead Beach calls me and he says, hey, did someone from Food Network call you? And I said, what? I'm like, I got a text. And he was like, okay, cool, they contacted you. And I was like, well, that was real? He was like, yeah. He's like, there was a scout 
and they asked me like what unique places you know they need to check That's out cool. and of course i had to tell them you know i gave them your name and your number and i was like oh man i was like i thought it was a joke i was like thank you for telling me yeah so i actually you know uh, i texted back at the end of the night and i said i'm sorry you know we were busy with you service <laughs> uh but but what's up yeah <laughs> And so we had our interview, um, that was on a Friday, the following, you know, next morning, we had the quick three question interview, which is, you know, are, are you a scratch kitchen? So do you make everything from scratch? And yes. And then um, if we had multiple locations, uh, no. And that's the right answer because they help like mom and pops like they you don't want one location yeah they don't they don't help people that that already have like a chain or yeah. anything like that so they want to keep it local they want to keep it uh, uh really uh, uh to help the mom and pop it's a great thing that they do there and then the third question they asked was if i had a freezer and i was like well yeah i have a freezer <laughs> and they're like well, what do you keep in the freezer and i said ice cream fish uh shrimp you know the stuff that they, comes in that frozen. You need to put in the freezer. Right. You know we're in the middle of the desert. You know it's not like I can. Are they go waiting there. for a body? <laughs> <laughs> you know I think they're just they're they're just looking to see if you're using to make sure you're using fresh products. Right. You know? And so they don't want you to say oh well we have all the breakfast options and oh yeah frozen you know ready to go. Of, no. Um, so they said okay cool you passed the test now the next part of the interview is going to take like three hours. Do you have time to do it? And so I made time. And you basically, they, they were going over my menu and they were asking, okay, what's in this dish? What's the process in making this dish? And I said, okay, well this dish, you know, you start by making the sauce and you do this and that. And so there's a format that they want you to answer the questions. And so after getting used to the format, um, we basically went over the entire menu and then at the end of the process, uh, she said, okay, I want pictures of these 10 items and you need to send me this and this and this. Um, after talking to her, she said, I don't make the decision, but I've done these long enough to know that you're gonna be on the show. Uh, yeah. But, you know, she's like, you're, you're, you know, cause she loved the stories. Cause I have tons of stories. Um, you know, everything in my, everything on my menu has a story. It was inspired in some way. Yeah. And, and so, um, so I told the staff, I was like, you know, our menu has personality because each of these dishes has a story behind it. And so telling her the stories of the dishes and stuff, she was like, yeah, you're, you're going to be on it. And so I took the pictures, sent it in, and waited for five days. And then that Friday... At three o'clock, they finally gave me the phone call and said, okay, you're going to be on the show. Wow. Um, you know, get ready because guy's going to show up at your door at nine o'clock in the morning, Monday. And so that, so, so the timeline is Friday, I get a text following Friday, I get the go ahead. And then that and Monday, then that Monday then we, we have to get the, the restaurant execution. ready. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we had to close for two shifts. So we closed Monday for lunch and we closed Thursday for lunch. Guy showed up on Thursday, on Monday and he picks, uh, you know, I guess they do a, a, a meeting where they show him the <laughs> he, candidates. He has the best job in the world. Oh yeah. Huh? He's totally. looking at all the photos that you sent him and says, I want that, that, and that. Mm -hmm. And he that's what has he said. the best job in the world. So he was like, yeah. He's like, uh, I want to I wanna cook that, and I want to cook that. And so he picked the pasta chihuahua, and he picked the oxtail tostada. And he showed up, and the, the, the team was really professional. They had two units. Um, you know, very professional. They tell you where to stand, you <clears> know. <throat> like, if I wanted to go get you know, a, a spoon, uh, if I would try and move to go get the spoon, they'd be like, no, 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 you stay there, get your sous chef to bring you the spoon. And then they would call uh, Mateo and say, Mateo, can you get chef a spoon, please? 
and I'm like, so they wanted that image also of you not having to run around using the people that you actually work with. No, actually what they wanted was just not to lose the shot. They're oh, like, no, okay. don't move. It's <laughs> okay. like, you're in the shot. Don't move. Let him get it for you. Uh, so they don't want you to be, you know, grabbing things or anything like that. Those are distractions. And so they're like, you just stay there. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, tell Mateo, I'm like, sorry, bro. It's like, no. <laughs> you know, cause you know, I, that's, you know, I would have got that. Yeah. Story. You, you know, know I was like, got I got it. you, you know, but, but, um, but, but it was, it was a great experience and, and he loved the pasta. Um, he said that that was a really unique dish and, and he, he enjoyed it quite a, he enjoyed it quite a lot. And then on the oxtail tostada, on that one, he said that it was a postcard from Flavortown, is wow. what he is what he said on that dish. As a meme. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> so he loved those two dishes. Um, I like the pasta chihuahua because it was the first dish that really I created using the evolution of food. So. Like Italian food um, is nothing. Italian food today is only this. It's it's only Italian food is only this way because the Spanish and the Italians came exploring the New World. Because tomatoes are from present-day Mexico, and potatoes are from Peru, and corn is from. Mexico and like all over, you know, uh, uh, the Americas, you grow corn. Right. And so, you know, if you think Italian food, you know, you think tomatoes and it's like, well, that's not native to Italy. And basil is not native to Italy. You know, basil is like a North African herb, you know, that they took over to Italy. Um, and so all these ingredients, you know, corn for polenta, um, you know, that came from the New World. So before the exploration of the new world, Italian cuisine was not like so what it, it is today. It, it evolved. It evolved. It evolved because because ingredients, you know, started making their way across. And that's how it was Atlanta. back in the day, right? Like yeah. they didn't know that basil or tomatoes existed until they came exploring, traded and mm -hmm. traded or took over. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then ended up adapting and evolving these dishes, which is crazy. Right. When you look at, when you look at the culinary side of it, it's not just throwing stuff in, in, in a, you know, a greaser or a fryer. Right. It's an actual art, I think. Right. Um, so that, so that dish, so that dish, you know, the pasta chihuahua was a take on an Italian dish that couldn't have existed without Mexico because it's a, it's a bolognese sauce, which is like a meat sauce made with tomatoes. And so without Mexico, they would, not, they would have not had the tomato. Wow. And then um, without, the, without the Chinese, uh, they wouldn't have had the pasta. So like Marco Polo, we're talking like 1200s now, like in the 1200s when, when his dad actually started uh, exploring China and creating the Silk Road and the trade, you know, the, the spice trade and, and all of that. Right. You know, cuisine changed when you started bringing in, you know, new things, new spices and new ingredients. And, and, and so to me, when I looked at that, at that recipe, it, it happened out of just an accident because I was living in Houston. My housemate wanted to do this cream infused with chorizo were you both competing to see who cooked that night? no <laughs> you know it, it's it's funny because i had sold my house in houston and and my friend had uh rebuilt this beautiful home and he put in a kick-ass kitchen but he didn't know how to cook so, and and during my time in houston i was i was working for a swiss bank and my my business was in mexico so i was traveling four days out of the week and i was only home during the weekends and so he said, well, he's like, instead of buying a house, he's like, why don't you just, he's like, you're only here on the weekends. He's like, just, you know, you can stay here, you can cook. Uh, and um, make a little you know, extra for me. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know, so I would, so basically I would meal prep for him, but he loves food. Like he, he is a foodie. He loves wine. It was a two-story house. It is a two-story house. And underneath, um, 
the staircase he built like a 700 bottle wine little cellar. wine cellar and so that. so we had great wine and and it was a great it was a great time Par- when we were especially living when you're pairing we right oh especially yeah when you're pairing yeah because i know how culinary is is all about the experience it's not just it's not so much it's just, everything you yeah. know it's it's taste it's flavors it's everything but you're you're incorporating that experience into it i dated a chef and that was one of the best relationships <laughs> ever that i looked forward to because every single day she was cooking something she was a pastry chef but she knew mm. how to cook mm-hmm. so um she was making some really, really good food for me, and every day I looked forward to, to being a little test bunny. But, <laughs> but it was really part of that experience factor that she was giving me too. I was trying stuff that I had never tried before, right. and she was experimenting. And well, and then and then living in Houston for for me was when you, you know talk about experimenting. I mean Houston, um, if we're a melting pot, I mean Houston is. They got everything. <laughs> they got every single culture that's there they got places where you can go and just shop for like african spices you know and you can go to another shop that you can just go and get um indian spices uh indian ingredients they have a whole they have the biggest uh, airport also here in in texas no probably texas yeah yeah yeah, in texas for sure and um yeah well they have two airports um but yeah it's it's a huge city and experimenting over there was awesome i mean i love that's the one thing that that i miss about houston is just being able to access so many different ingredients um it's amazing when when you know when i recall the things that we used to do over there so so we experimented a lot and this one time he had told me about the chorizo thing and so i went and bought chorizo he went and bought chorizo so we ended up with like chorizo for like days (laughs) days <laughs> and so after making you know chorizo con papas and you know chorizo with egg and chorizo with all sorts of things at that point i was like well we still have all this damn chorizo it's like what the hell are we going to do with it and i said well i'm going to make a bolognese but instead of using the italian sausage i'm going to use chorizo and then i spiced it with a little bit of cumin and i spiced it with some you know green chili and and so i threw the mexican spices in yeah. there and i said well this is the only thing that was Italian in that dish was actually just the linguine at that point because it was Mexican tomatoes, it was Mexican chorizo, it was um, it was the cumin that is really not native to Mexico, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but because everybody thinks cumin is, is, you know, a staple in Mexican cuisine um, and it is now, but it wasn't always. Uh, but anyway, so we put that in there and, you know, topped it with cilantro and queso fresco instead of parmesan instead of parmesan cheese and and so the flavors are 100 percent mexican fresco. oh yeah, yeah. that's good queso fresco is a whole different type of cheese <laughs> yeah so so that so that dish kind of uh you know we we took it from you know the new world to the old world back to the new world you know and and just made something really unique and and, and I love that dish because of that, because it was the first dish that made sense in that way to me. Because people think fusion is just, you know, oh, here's a hot dog, and now I'm going to throw some kimchi on it, yeah. and there you go, that's fusion. And it's like, not that way. You know what right, I mean? Right. It's like, the, you, you, have to, you have to find the commonality between the foods and, and, and then see how they work well together. So... Uh, you know, hot dogs and, and kimchi probably do work together, but because you got to go through the sauerkraut part, because, you know, kimchi is fermented a lot of times, uh, uh, cabbage, you okay. know, and, and so the Germans fermented cabbage and made sauerkraut and they ate sauerkraut with, uh, um, you know, with bratwurst, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and and so koreans they also ferment it but they make it they make it a little bit different you know they add chilies to it they add a whole bunch of other flavors to it so everybody just kind of took a little bit of everybody yeah well it's it's like the same it's it's like technique and then you just apply it and then you put things on it yeah it's like the the palate is yeah well it knows what it wants yeah yeah it's like chiles toreados yeah okay where are chiles toreados from 
I don't, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> Where does the soy sauce come from? China? Yeah. Japanese? Yeah, China. China. Okay. Yeah. So, so is it Mexican? I mean, it's a jalapeno, you know, or is it Asian because it's got soy sauce? Well, it's both. It's evolution. A Chinese guy and a Mexican guy were hanging out one day and he said, hey. Well, the, chi- the, Chinese yeah. were, the Chinese were traveling. The Chinese were traveling with their spices and they were making their food. And when you're basically traveling along the, la- the, 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 the land and you're able to pick you know, stuff from farms, you use what you have. Yeah. And so chilies. Uh, That's such a beautiful thing, I think, to look oh, yeah. back at, at the evolution and how oh, yeah. people were, were getting introduced to different spices and oh. flavors and first time somebody had chocolate you know chocolate was a big thing too oh yeah um I, I think it's just great now we're we're able to go down the street or uber eats anything we want pretty much we have it great right now you know even though you're stuck well this uh, still pretty good well yeah i mean this covid definitely threw people into the digital economy yeah you so what is that what has that done you know, what have you had to adjust to or change during this whole COVID, you know, because I think every industry, I don't care who you are, even myself, real right. estate, you know, we were doing virtual tours. Um, it's still masks everywhere we go with clients and, and things like that. So there's a lot of precautions. But when when this pandemic hit, I think a lot of eyes were not only on the bar industry, right, and they closed. But they're also on the food industry because people still wanted to eat. eat. Right. You know, people didn't want to have to. I, I think I did it too. I cooked for a good like 20 something days in a row. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm done. You know, I'm not a chef. <laughs> I'm bored of these, of yeah. these bean burritos that I'm yeah, making yeah, yeah, every yeah. day. Something quick. And, and so what, what types of adjustments did you have to go through uh, during this whole COVID? Well, um, I, I realized immediately that the shift was going to go online. And, um, and so we adjusted, you know, our website, we adjusted our Facebook page. Uh, you were quick with it. You had to do it like immediately, yeah. you know, like immediately put a COVID, you know, uh, you know, we have a, our COVID response, you know, on, on our, um, on our, on our website. And, um, we updated our menus, so we, we kept our customers um, aware and updated about all the things that we were doing. And I actually told my wife, I said, you know, I said, this is this is the shift. This is the shift to the digital economy. So many people are going to yeah. get comfortable ordering Uber, ordering, you know, uh, um, uh, all, all these, you yeah. know, food service, food delivery services. Um, which I am not a huge fan of. Uh, they they take a lot of our money. Um, so during the times, delivery services. Oh yeah, really? Like yeah. Well, you know when they when when they make up like one percent of your sales, then it's no big deal. But when, when this happened, shift, when that shift they became up. like ten percent of your sales, and they were keeping you know like Grubhub keeps thirty percent of my sales, and they only pay me once a month, and so all the sales that we had. For one month you have to wait yeah so Whoa. 10% of our sales we had to wait for you know like an additional 10 days we usually get paid like you know on the 10th of every month um, Wow and that's I did not know that yeah no I mean it's I thought it was just a I mean I thought they were charging the customer because they're oh. still charging us yeah they are they're 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 charging wow. they're charging that's a twofold. Good business oh yeah paid twice for one yeah. order yeah no, I mean, it's, and, and, um, and so, yeah, you know, out there, order your food and go pick it up, man. Like, uh, uh, so that's, that would you say, obviously that that's better, especially if we're supporting local. Cause I think a lot of people, people yeah. turn that focus to, Hey, people are, are hurting right now. You know, yeah. there's a lot of businesses that are, are getting shut down. A lot of people getting furloughed. There's a lot of people without the rent and the electricity and the utilities right. and, I mean, granted, there's there's a lot of extensions right now and everything, but who knows what's going to happen after this? This is where, you know, real estate wise, economic wise, it it kind of triggers a little red flag for me because it's it's scary. Are real are, you know, uh, landlords really not going to get paid 
six months, seven months, you know, oh, I know, without losing their properties, you know, from these tenants. So it's some scary stuff that we've had to adjust to, but definitely, but, yeah, um, no, with everything. And, 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 and you mentioned, you know, your, your online, um, virtual tours and things like that, Yeah, you know, and, and, um, and I've had to, yeah. <laughs> And I've had to, uh, I don't know how long that was, (laughs) my bad. But yeah, you, you know, I, I shifted to creating more content because uh, that's what people are doing now. They're, they're consuming content. And so my, my Instagram page went from um, pretty food pics to like how-to videos you know and you know we had to we had to change our our floor plan even at the restaurant because in order to keep all the tables six feet apart we went from 26 tables down to eight tables so even though we're allowed to do 50 percent capacity because we have that space in between every table uh we're only at about so you were only filling about thirty-three uh, percent. Yeah. Four of the tables out of the eight, or all of those eight were able to be filled up. Um, on a busy day, we'll fill eight tables. Oh, okay, but no, what I'm saying is you had situated eight tables out of the twenty-four or twenty-three. Out of the twenty-six. Yeah, 26. we went from twenty-six tables okay. down. But you were able to fill them up. That was still under that fifty percent. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I thought you were set up four four tables. I was like, holy shit! That's, no, no, eight. That's a big drop. Eight, eight tables, which is about thirty-three percent. You know, but and I, and I can't go higher uh, because the, the space limitation, yeah. you know, so um, my particular clientele is older and the ones that are affected by, you know, by these covid uh, guidelines, you know, they say people over 60, you know, they should stay home. Right. And they're the well, most that's, cautious. That's they are. Um, and they also happen to be the largest segment of my clientele. Uh, a lot of it because we've been around so long. So, yeah. you know, <clears throat> clients that, you know, started going to us downtown, you know, uh, people that work insurance, banking, you know, attorneys, judges, you know, people from the courthouse, um, you know, a lot of people that we've met, you know, we met them in their 40s and 50s. And so now they're in their 50s and 60s. Um, a lot of them are retired now and, and so that's just the way our, our clientele, uh, um, our, our demographic is, is made up. So right. do you see, do you see any shift in that now that you've been marketing and, and starting to kind of, well, we've, we've always had, we've, we've always been varied. Like we have everything. Um, you know, we do have twenties, thirties, forties, 50 year olds eating there, of course, um, but like the, the loyal base, the ones yeah. that have been with me since downtown and through my moves and, and through the construction and through all of the stuff that we've been they're going now, through. Now they're ordering in, they're take ordering out. takeout, yeah. you know, they're ordering takeout. So, uh, you know, even though our parking lot looks empty, our kitchen is, is still, working. is still yeah. working. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's been a difficult change, but now with the, now with the videos and and we just recently started shooting the Chuko cooking show, um, awesome. and and we've been having tons of fun with that. So uh, that I think is going to reach a broader market. Um, we're shooting it in a way that is uh, you know respectful of our older audience, um, but it's also interesting and hip. Uh, and and the younger audience is also capture that engagement. Oh yeah, there, definitely. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, well, you're because teaching them some cool recipes too, right? Cool recipes and and cool stories because there's so many cool stories, uh, you know, around our region that that people don't know. You know, people get. I just assumed right now that I was like, you know, if you're if you're a chef, do you need to know the history of, or is that something that you were just so interested in that you you took the liberty of learning and you know, because I yeah. think I think that's to know how to cook is one thing. Right. To know the history of where everything comes from, you kind of get that bigger perspective of yeah. how evolved this simple dish in front of you could 
could seem, but how complicated that must have been or how much time it must have took to actually make that dish, you know. To get it there. Yeah, yeah, to get it there. So that's really cool. Yeah, no, I, th I think definitely um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of great cooks out there. There's a lot of people that know technique, you know, and they know how to grill a perfect steak and they know how to, you know, make the perfect sauce and, and that's, and that's extremely important. You know, technique is definitely very important, but right. when you're creating, I think that's where the history and the background and, 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 and everything just makes it more interesting. It makes a dish more interesting because it connects you to the land. It connects yeah. you to the place. It, it tells a story. And, and when you're able to tell the story through food, I think people remember it better you know most conversations most parties most conversations you know uh always end up in the kitchen you know it's always yeah. people gravitate to the kitchen you know yeah and, yeah i think so and that's I, just the way things i agree are. look at the kitchen's right here oh yeah <laughs> i love that kitchen by the way yeah it's a nice little kitchen no that's that's really cool where do you where do you kind of foresee you know the next six months what do you see them looking like do you feel like you know, this is going to be, you know, this whole pandemic is definitely the game changer because we were talking about that too, how you had to adjust and you, you foresaw those changes that were going to come. Mm -hmm. You knew it was going to go online. You got everything prepared for it. But um, do you foresee, you know, the future of the restaurant business changing completely even after this whole COVID has changed or gone away? I do. I, I do think it's going to be different. Um, there's so much, there's so much information out there. Not all of it is correct. Um, even right now, I think of yeah. a viral video went out of some, uh, doctors in Houston, right? I think in Houston, were they in Houston? Um, but they were talking about, uh, finding a cure and they were talking about different, you know, medicines that they were combining to fight this cure. And right. by the time this podcast comes out, maybe tomorrow or, It'll you know, by, by the time somebody <laughs> hears this, they're going to be like, oh, stupid, that was fake. But, you know, as, as reliable as it seemed and so many people were reposting and everything, there were doctors that were making videos and saying, hey, that's not the truth. And so that you really don't even know who to believe or what right. to believe right now. Media and, you know, all the resources that we have right now are kind of everywhere I think they a... you know they they are and I think that's what makes it difficult because I mean I see I see places that the 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 ownership uh, the ownership doesn't feel it's that serious right and they act that way and they attract people that think the same way and yeah. and they're gonna and they're gonna do business you know their way right um you know i think that a lot of people are are and it, and it might be down you know generational lines you know uh, um like young people may not care older people may be a little bit more scared um but all in all unless there's like a cure, you know, I don't know how people are going to feel. I, I, the the yeah. easiest way for me to explain it to people, because they, they, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, you went from 26 tables to eight. You know, when are you going to go back up to like 26 tables? And I say, well, when you're comfortable sitting less than two feet, you know, right. next to a stranger. Yeah. Um, and this, by, by the way, is the farthest I've ever sat from a guest. <laughs> so we're trying to keep our Yeah, our you know, the social distancing you know, thing. But yeah, but I mean, when, when un, until people feel comfortable, you know, because that's the way it was. To fit 26 tables in my restaurant, you know, you were literally 18 inches. You were looking at people's dishes like, oh, I should oh, yeah. try that. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. right there. I mean, and that's, and, and, and it worked great for 12 years and then this happened and, 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 and who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I dabble in, in, um, in, in drafting 
And so I started to draw floor plans of what a restaurant would need to look like. You know, what do we need to do in order to keep those things? And I think that if people are going to continue doing takeout, well, then I don't need 3,200 square feet to do takeout. Right. You know, um, and and a new business model emerges where, you know, I may only need 600 square feet. Do you, th- I, as we were talking, I just thought of this. Do you think um, drive-in, I don't even know how to say it, drive-in, you know, the Sonic type mm-hmm. feel where you drive up and you're, you know, far away from the other people. You're eating in your car off these little trays <laughs> that they place yeah. on your... 57 Chevy. <laughs> right, right, right. Do you think that model would ever come back? Because uh, I think that model would work right now for a I, lot of I restaurants, think, as long as you have the parking space or, right. you know, because I think there's a lot of real estate that you'd need to account for, right. not just in the restaurant. Well, I think that, um, I, I, I think in the restaurant of the future, you're going to have to design it in such a way that if you are going to have your tables so close to each other, then you're going to need a partition. You're going to need right. something to keep people, to make people feel safe, you know? Right. Uh, that, yeah, I am sitting next to the stranger, but at least I have this, you know, plexi wall this glass. virtual wall where or, you can watch the game on this partition. Yeah, wall. I mean, <laughs> you know, that'd be wild. I mean, technology is, is what it is. And so, yeah, it could very well happen, you know? It could be you know, a six foot digital screen that, you know, keeps you from seeing what's, what's, you know. That would be wild. You have digital, into, digital yeah. uh, TVs, digital waiters, waitresses, you know, all, all of like that. this all is, of that. this is insane. But yeah, I think, I think for sure what it's done is, you know, just like when the internet came out, right. this was a huge shift mm-hmm. of, of consciousness, not only that, but of understanding on where mm-hmm. the future is going. And I think, you know, a pandemic like this is uncontrollable. We can't control it. Shit happens. The Spanish flu happened, you know? Right. And this could happen again in another hundred years. And maybe we don't have to ever deal with it again. But the reality of the situation is that this economic pandemic that happened changed a lot of businesses oh, and yeah. the way it had to be structured. So I see it really changing the future of businesses and, you know, how businesses actually work. Even real estate, you know, like right. there's now we're having to look to better ways to virtually show you know i really want you to be here so am i gonna have to strap a google you know headpiece to your vr yeah 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 yeah, and and walk the house with you you know that would be insane right but that's literally where this shift can happen and where it's in a virtual world just like right you know we've always considered the future it was a virtual future it's been a virtual future and and here we have this little transition so oh yeah no, and, 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 and with everything, I mean, now that, um, now that these platforms um, allow you to monetize on your, you know, on your, using your page, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a very interesting shift, you know, because I think that the, the ability to, the ability to, to, to make money off of what you do, uh, what you love to do, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, you know, especially on uh, platforms that we have right now. You know, right. twelve years ago you didn't have them right. um, growing the business. So now, being able to market yourself in this changing industry, in this right. changing world, and people are looking for it. You yeah, know? I gave a virtual. I've, I've given two virtual cooking classes uh, so far, and received great feedback from both of them. That's uh, that that was something new. You know. Uh, teaching you know people over the internet you know with 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 my phone i did it with my phone and you guys are all practicing social distancing definitely because everybody was everybody was was in their houses and and that and and one of the ones that we did for for an insurance company that was a really cool deal that they did they organized it for their clientele they went out and they you know they asked me okay we want to do this uh can you give us a recipe and an ingredient list and I said, okay, cool, you know, this is what you need. And so I gave them the ingredient list, the recipe, and they went out and bought the ingredients for, I think it was 25 people on that, on that, wow, uh, so it was a on big... that call. So they went out and bought 
steaks. It was a grilling show. So they bought steaks and salad and, uh, you know, some fresh uh, vegetables uh, to put on the grill and all that stuff. And then and then we we cooked it together, you know, and I and I showed them that one was really cool because I basically had all the ingredients, the, the same basket that they got delivered, I got delivered to. And I said, okay, I was like, in the span of one hour, we're going to take all these ingredients. And, and I was like, and I, and I told him, I was like, I, I haven't prepared anything in advance. Like, we, we are going to do this together. That's cool. You know, and, and, and if you have any questions, stop me and, you know, and we'll keep going. But in one hour's time, we're going to take these things. We're going to do three recipes. Um, and and uh, actually, we ended up doing four because I gave him a, a, a recipe on how to do some chiles toreados. And, nice. and we did all that stuff in 50 minutes. Um, and so that was really fun. But again, that was something new because people are, are, are looking for new things to do. And so, right. so that became something, um, you know, something that was eye-opening for me because in essence that was sort of monetizing what I do. Right. You know, it's like I didn't have to. You're just doing it in a different way. Now you're not cooking for them. You're showing them how to cook. How to cook, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, in an ever-changing world, I applaud you for making a shift. Because a lot of people, you know, and you see this, you know, with Blockbuster that, you know, laughed at Netflix. You're, you're really just taking a different approach on something that you've already been doing and figuring out how to monetize it, how to give value, how right. to still give that experience. Because right. who doesn't like a home-cooked meal taught by a chef, you know? So. Yeah. And, 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 and in hospitality, you just said the key word, it's experience. Right. You know, in, in hospitality, we want you to have an experience. So eating at my restaurant is an experience because we follow a certain protocol and we, we're family owned and my mom's around, my dad's around, That's awesome. my sister, my niece and my son. You know, we're, we're all working there together. And because my mom raised us to be, you know, polite and to be hospitable and, and to be good hosts and things like that, that's what you get. You know, you, yeah. you, you get that from, from all of us. There's only one waitress who is not family uh, at, at the restaurant currently. And so everybody gets, you know, a, a, a level of service, a level of hospitality you know that that they don't get at other places and and to me keeping that experience is important you know right and and part of the experience uh in in hospitality you're an entertainer you know and and i tell my staff my 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 servers i'm like well you guys are entertainers and at first they're like do we tell jokes it's like what do we do and it's like no no yeah and i said no it's like you you tell the story of the menu right when they pick something then you tell them the story, you know, and you're a storyteller. And, yeah. and stories and sell. They do. Stories they really do. sell. Exactly. I've been, I've been in a lot of different bu- types of businesses, uh-huh. and I've I've learned that stories tell because once they, you know, you feel that resonation or you feel, feel something that you can relate to, right? It, it it knocks down that wall. You're able to trust somebody. You're able to, you know, feel right. like, you know, this is a family-owned business, and I'm. Part of You're part of the I'm family. having dinner with the family. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. That's a really cool experience. Yeah. And and one of the and one of the best compliments I got was uh, from a uh, uh, a friend of mine who I met him when he was doing his residency here in El Paso, and then he moved to um, Washington State, and you know we we keep in touch basically just over Instagram, and he told me after one of the videos. He said, man, he's like, it felt like I was right there with you. It felt like I was having a beer with you, <laughs> you know, cool. and, and I was like, that's that's really cool, you know. Yeah. And and so um, I think that that spoke to the, you know, to my philosophy of of creating an experience and, and, and creating a feeling, you know, that that you're welcome, that you, you know, you want to be there. You know? Right. And, and so. Um, and so now we're doing it virtually and and doing the, 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 the Chuko cooking show. That's what it's about. You know, it's about telling stories. It's about connecting you, you know, to the food and 
And yes, I feature the food obviously at the restaurant, but uh, it's it's also I wanted to serve as inspiration because yeah. I think if people really knew all the cool stories about our region, and I say our region because we're we're in a place where you know you take a wrong turn and you're in New Mexico. <laughs> That's you know? happened plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and I go into Juarez and you're like, what the? Yeah, fuck? no, it's happened. <laughs> How you did know? I make a U-turn? Yeah, you know, it's like Google. I'm following Google. I'm like, it's like I don't want to go to Juarez, <laughs> man. I'm like, what the hell? I heard Trevor Noah one time on on the Stephen Colbert show. And, and he was telling a story how he was doing a show downtown. He was staying, I assume, he was staying at the Camino Real and that he wanted a pair of shoes. And so that he asked the concierge, uh, yeah, you know, I need a pair of shoes. He says, oh, just, you know, walk down the street. You're going to see all these people and, you know, you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll find shoes. shoes. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll find some shoe stores and stuff like that. And so he tells the story that he was just walking, following the people and that when he got to the middle of the bridge where it said that, you know, this is the dividing line between the U.S. and Mexico, that he was like, oh, my God, what, what just happened? You know, because <laughs> he was just walking. And before he knew it, I mean, he walked over for those who don't know who Trevor Noah is, he's South African and, and the host of The Daily Show. Yeah, now. yeah he's a new host, right? Yeah. yeah and, uh, and, and so here's this South African who just got. <laughs> the instruction from the concierge just follow the people he's gonna look for and he, he would have found walking. shoes he, he would have found definitely you know shoes. but he but he almost ended up in in mexico and he tells a hilarious story how he had to come back and he didn't have his passport on or anything <laughs> he had his wallet but he didn't have a passport so that he had to show the customs agent you know this show is this is who i am <laughs> it's like uh, you know it's like i'm kind of famous and <laughs> You know, and, and I just didn't know. And I'm I just walking up. and I I'm didn't sorry. know. And so, and, but that's how it is, you know. And, that's and, funny, yeah. And we just finished shooting and our, and, and, our, and our last shot was I'm standing in New Mexico. Behind me is Texas. And across this hill is Mexico. There's like three states, two countries. And I'm right here. One picture. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and that's awesome. I mean, we, we're, we're in a really unique geographical place yeah you know um i agree i love i love el paso born and raised and oh, it's yeah. just a it's just an amazing city and it's getting bigger it's getting you know hipper and we're we're oh. starting to see a lot of stuff that we've never seen if you're from here you know so right it's a it's a really great experience to be here um but i think you know having that that kind of experience and tying it in with your your food is really an awesome thing that a lot of people need to take advantage of and it's Definitely. all about that awareness right so yeah. where where can people find you um as far as youtube your new cooking show right um, your location and where are you promoting on as far as instagram facebook okay so the physical location of the restaurant is 4176 north mesa um across don haskins right no, that's where we used to be oh okay yeah now now we're closer to um uh, to executive center Okay. And um, we've been at that location now for seven years. And um, it's 79902. So for my east side friends that say we're on the west side, we're still on the lower west side. So uh, it's still 79902. It's still very easy and very quick to get to from the east side. Um, and for our west side customers, executive is open now. Please. Use it again. <laughs> yeah. Because, Everybody's like. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, we were so easy. I mean, right across from us, there's a business park that has about 3,000 people that work there. Um, maybe not right now because of COVID, but under normal situation, about 3,000 people that work wow. there. And so, you know, you assume some of them live on the west side, some of them, some of them live on the east side. And before the construction, they could jet out to the west side and back to my restaurant, you know, and that would take them 15 minutes. Right. Uh, with the construction, it started taking 30, 40, 50 minutes 50 to get minutes. home. Yeah, and so bad. they just decided not to come back. And um, it was well, just it's too open much now, traffic. So you could it's open now, so yeah. please come east back. Siders, west Siders. Yeah, so, so we're, we're pretty centrally located, I think. And then on um, Instagram, 
Um, I'm Chef Rulis, R-U-L-I-S. And on Facebook, you can find me. My personal page is Rulis Gonzalez. Uh, but I'm almost at my top, so I can't accept that many more friends there. <laughs> That's how I am on Instagram. <laughs> I feel bad, too, because I meet people and I'm like, hey, I can't be your friend. I'm trying to delete people right now. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but Instagram, uh, Chef Rulis, uh, and, and my Facebook page. Uh, you'll find it under Chef Rulies again, but the little hashtag is Executive Chef Rulies, uh, and then the Rulies International Kitchen page on Facebook and YouTube. It's under Chef Rulies again. So Twitter, Chef Rulies. Uh, I've been Rulies. in the well, I've been in the game long enough that no one was using my name <laughs> when I got all my accounts because I've had Twitter for years and I've had. I've had every account ever since. Facebook, I've had like 11 years. Um, when Instagram came out, got on that right away. You got you a TikTok? Know, I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> I know that uh, Gary Vee says that's the next big yeah, thing. Yeah, so. Gary Vee is why we started the podcast. Yeah? yeah. No, Gary Vee is I've seen him, uh, met him twice in oh, Miami. Really? Yeah, and that's basically what he said. He's like, you don't have a fucking podcast. If you're not on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, if you're not on all these platforms, you're missing out on a lot of business. Oh, yeah. It's no, really no. a land grab, like he says, you know? And it's still, exactly. we've been exactly. talking about this for a year and a half, already oh, yeah. two years, and it's still a land grab, especially with what's happening right now. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I definitely saw, you know, YouTube spike. Um, you know, everybody was about Instagram and Snapchat. Um, you know, for a while, and then and then YouTube all of a sudden became, you know, the big thing again. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think now, yeah. as far as, I think s people are just hungry for content because there's so much out there. Yeah, you and know? people are bored too. There's still a lot of people at home. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and this so is the time to create. This is the time to put out some content, and this is really the time to take advantage of a bad situation. Right. You know? And out of, of every bad and, and you know if you haven't figured it out i love history so out of history you know out, out, out of every bad situation in history something really good comes out of it yeah and it's usually what pushes things forward you know all you know there's there's chaos and then something better emerges. Yeah. Um, you know, we become more conscious. We become uh, more educated. We learn things, and and we evolve as a people. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, we're going yeah. through a shift. Uh, it's a good time to be alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> Twenty. Every day. Every we're experiencing day. some shit, but we're also hey, you know we're experiencing forward it. thinking. You know, you know the, it's the, gonna be fun. Yeah. The the. Uh, the alternative is is not very uh, appealing to you. Yeah, you know, rather not, rather not waking up out. versus wake waking up in twenty twenty versus not waking up. Yeah, I rather definitely wake gonna wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Rulis, thank you so much for oh, being thank on you. our this episode. Has been yeah, fun. appreciate Cheers, you. Man. Make sure you guys tune in every Wednesday where we have entrepreneurs, influencers, movers, and shakers just like Chef Rulis here on our show. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers, all.